All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I thought maybe we could uh, start with uh, you giving us a little background about yourself. Uh, thank you. It's uh, it's my pleasure being here, Mike, yeah. and thank you for inviting. And I know I am the first one you invited, so yeah. it's a double pleasure yeah. <laughs> pleasure for me being my here. Pleasure. And. Uh, and so also apologies if something goes wrong so our <laughs> first time so and i uh, hope mm. our listeners will enjoy <laughs> enjoy this podcast so uh, my name is daniel talun so uh, mm. i think simply daniel and uh, i moved to montreal two and a half years ago mm-hmm. i started here uh, a position as assistant professor in the department of human genetics at mcgill university mm-hmm. And uh, my field of study is actually uh, genome-wide association studies. Although by training, by my education, I'm not a geneticist and I'm not a biologist, mm-hmm. I am a computer scientist. Mm-hmm. So I started my education as a software engineer, did my bachelor's, and they uh, moved on to Italy to do my master and PhD studies in uh, computer science, but this time not a software engineer, but mm-hmm. originally it was a databases. And then in the middle of my, uh, you know, master thesis, I was working on the uh, on the problem of temporal databases, how to query them and so on. That was just a developing uh, field. I kind of didn't find for myself, uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, or, you know, for, although it's interesting field, but I wasn't too excited about it. And at that time, I actually started to work as a side job at the uh, Institute of uh, of Genetics. Uh, when, the, uh, when was this? Uh, it's two thousand. Uh... Okay, that's <laughs> that starts difficult. Two thousand ten, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. So, and uh, there I worked as a scientific programmer. So it's mm-hmm. basically implementing various tools they needed for for analysis of genetic data, and there was a boom of genome-wide association studies. And I kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I discovered that this is actually what what drives me at developing those tools mm-hmm. and, you know, exploring this data. And I actually switched my master thesis to a totally different project, mm-hmm. you know, related to genome-wide association studies. I lost a year of my master studies, but mm-hmm. at the end, you know, I, I never regretted it. And mm-hmm. uh, it turned out very well. And then I after that, I started to do my PhD on already on uh, on the topic still in the uh, department of computer science but on the topic of uh, uh, related more to genome association studies is finding you know correlation patterns in our in our genome and how to do it efficiently and fast and uh, i ended up developing uh, one algorithm to do this mm-hmm. uh, which was faster than the ones uh, existed before yeah, but this was long time ago, and then uh, you know, I kind of uh, uh, started to learn more and more about the field, uh, about the terminology, uh, started to understand what is happening and mm-hmm. what are the goals actually of those uh, of those studies, and you know, eventually I, I ended up here in this department of human genetics, and with my background, what it does, it allows me actually to apply all my you know knowledge on the algorithms on the you know how to make them efficient uh, and and all these uh, things I learned from computer science apply this to the to the genetic data and specifically to the to the association studies yeah great so m- maybe we can uh, start here uh, about your work 
So uh, what is GWAS, as you said, genome-wide association studies, and why do we care about it? So it's very short question, but mm-hmm. it's actually hard to answer because GWAS is, you know, every time somebody asks me, every time I end up with different answer, mm-hmm. but, you know, the idea is, is the following. Long, long time ago, like 30 years ago, when there was no genome association studies, there were other genetic studies. And those genetic studies were, you know, looking at the at the families where they know there is a disease and they were looking at the specific regions you know the technology was expensive and they were trying to like <clears throat> look at certain regions in the in the in the in the genome where they could actually read our genes and and see if they actually you know passed by through the generations in uh, like aggregates together with the disease mm-hmm. so whenever you see a person who is who is ill or suffer from disease that you know gene is is, is there so and they were very limited those studies were very very you know limited because they were not looking at the whole genome and imagine you know our genome is like 3.5 uh, billion you know ba- base mm-hmm. pairs meaning 3.5 billion letters of of ACGT yeah. And you look only like a few hundreds of them, a few thousands of them, and hope that you know mm-hmm. once you track it, track them through through the family, you will see that you know some of them appear more often with the disease. Mm-hmm. So this was you know how how it started, and then when technology actually was driving everything, when technology allowed us to actually read more parts of the genome, and eventually nowadays we can sequence or read all the genome at once. You know, we can look at all those variants at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then here, you know, we don't need necessarily uh, families, but we can actually, you know, take, you know, many, many participants who, who, who wants, you know, to participate in such study. We sequence them, you know, know all their genes, all the variations inside. And then we compare, like, are people with some disease have that specific variant more often you know, in their gene than the people who are without disease. Mm-hmm. And when we find this kind of variant, you know, we say that this variant is associated with disease. Yes, but the most important, uh, you know, <laughs> word here is, you know, word associated. Mm-hmm. So the G was doesn't help you know, to, fa- to to claim, doesn't allow us to claim that that variant is actually causing the disease. Mm-hmm. It actually shows us the region of the, of the genome where some other variant, the true variant, which is causing the disease, is located. So GWAS is only, you know, the, the very first step in the, all the association studies. And then after, like, identifying that candidate region, we go like further in evaluating what variation actually in, in that part of the genome is most likely to, to be like relevant or causal. And then we go to the functional study in the labs to like mm-hmm. actually do knockouts or, or like mm-hmm. deletes that, that variation or create, you know, create them and, and, and see what, what impact does it have to the cell. Or... So it's like a first step to a process. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And being first, so it means that it's very important. <laughs> yeah, the mo- one of the most important steps. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the first geoses. So when uh, I started to work with them, so as as Mike asked when it was, so probably <laughs> around 2010. So 
they were actually, you know, relatively small to what we have nowadays. A typical GVOS in 2010 would include a few thousand of people, maybe 2,000, maybe 3,000. Mm -hmm. The large study would be considered like 5,000. Everybody were saying, mm -hmm. wow, this is really yeah. cool. <laughs> so now, <laughs> nowadays, you know, our largest GVOS is like half a million people mm -hmm. called UK by a bank study. And mm -hmm. this is large effort for like sequencing and studying many genet <clears throat> genetic components of, of disease uh, in, in half a million of, of uh, UK citizens. And, uh, you know, this is half a million, but then we can actually aggregate this, you know, <laughs> you know, this study with other studies, for example, from United States, mm -hmm. from, from other Europe. And, you know, the number of participants in GWAS can reach up to million or like even mm -hmm. like million and a half. So mm -hmm. this, these are the numbers we're talking, you know, right now. And probably in, in a few years, it will be even, even larger. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, if not GWAS, what is the alternative? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there are many alternatives. And actually GWAS is not the, you know, answer to all our questions. Mm -hmm. There are still rare diseases like which in, in which only like a few or one genes in involved, so-called Mendelian diseases, mm -hmm. where actually family-based studies are still the key component. Mm -hmm. Because the disease is so rare, you know, you observe it very infrequently. It might be one or two people in, in like in entire country or entire world. And, you know, mm -hmm. the only option here to understand, you know, what actually caused this disease or, you know, illness, yeah. it's to sequence, to get uh, genetic information from the family members. And, you know, it's so-called heterozygosity mapping where you actually mm -hmm. look, you know, if your parents carry one allele each, you know, the, the child was unlucky to inherit, you know, that allele in both in both genes, mm -hmm. those bad copy of, of the gene from both parents at the same time. Yeah, th then, you know, you will find out only by, by family study mm -hmm. approach, basically sequencing the families. And mm -hmm. so definitely, you know, GWAS is not the right tool for all the diseases, but, you know, for many complex diseases and mm -hmm. complex diseases, I mean, the diseases which where many genes involved and we're not speaking about, uh, you know, a few, we're speaking about like a dozen or you know, even hundreds. And also we have an environmental component, like we all know that smoking or obsessive alcohol consumption also doesn't, you know, increase your health, mm -hmm. but actually it's a risk factors for many diseases. So th those kind of diseases we call complex diseases. And GWAS actually in this case probably is, you know, currently is considered the approach to, to go with. Mm -hmm. So, uh I'm just curious, has anyone done any GWAS with animals? Like, is there any point for doing that? Yes. The, there were GWAS and there are GWAS with animals. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, why we are doing GWAS for, for, for people? So mm -hmm. we, we want two things. We want to understand, you know, not only, you know, which genes or, you know, which variations in the genes cause the disease so we can, you know, develop some... Uh, some uh, you know therapy or, or drug to to prevent it or, or to to cure it but also you know we want to understand how our actually organism <laughs> work mm -hmm. you know because we don't know about many genes what actually how they work yeah you know and the only way you know to do it you know the, the GWAS would help this because you know it's not only you find the variants which are 
uh, you know, uh, disabling a gene or making it non-functional. By finding such variant, you also understand whether in what functions actually that gene was involved and, and how like everything works. Mm -hmm. So the same, you know, for animals, you know, and of course, you know, by doing this, we want to be healthier. So the health is our goal. We want to be, uh, you know, have all the drugs and so on. Now for animals, you know, when we, when we think about cows, you know, or sheep, you know, we, all, mm -hmm. we also want them to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, healthy cow gives more milk, you know, healthy bull provides better meat, you know, healthy sheep mm -hmm. has probably also, and so on and so on. Yeah. Now, if we don't know about, you know, how our body works actually on the cell level or on genetics level, so we also have the same knowledge gaps for the, for the animals and, uh, you know, understanding, under, like, understanding this, this in domestic animals especially will also, you know, give give benefits for us, we will be able to like cure their diseases and mm -hmm. you know, it's advantage for animal and for us humans as well. The same I imagine would be for dogs and cats, yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. You really want to be able to to cure your pet if you know the pet is very ill, and the best yeah. way if if we have a way to understand how their genetics works, and you know if there is a possibility to develop a drug for them as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, let's uh, change gear a little bit. In this uh, landscape that, uh, that you just described, um, what is the potential of machine learning? The potential, you know, I would say it's not only potential, the machine learning is applied, you know, mm -hmm. right now. It's being applied in many, many problems. And the range of those problems actually, you know, uh, we can start listing them, but the first thing what comes into my mind is basically, you know, estimating uh, ancestry of individual based on the, on the genetics, you know. Mm -hmm we can use machine learning algorithms or we can use machine learning algorithms when we want to understand correlations between the medical records of individual you know mm -hmm. uh, machine learning algorithm can be used actually to you know to fill in missing information mm -hmm. you know based on the patterns we observe uh, in the in the in the genes also and also in the medical records uh, yeah and so on and so on uh, predicting you know you know I think one of the most used application, for example, if, if we're speaking only about genetic association studies is probably predicting of the f function of the variant mm -hmm. because there are only actually not many ways how you could do this. The best way, of course, is actually knock out that variant, you know, Mm -hmm. completely experimentally and see what will happen yeah. now and we have technologies i guess many of our listeners heard about crispr mm -hmm. technology where you can like actually delete a part of gene and, yeah. you know and and this way and and see and observe now can you do it for all variants uh so we have the quite a lot so we have 3.5 billion you know positions mm -hmm. and, and and then we have you know up to 5 million variants which each of us carries so you know most likely now now you can do this because of the technology price and most important ethics you know you can't just take you know live organism and starting you know to knocking out genes and see you know mm -hmm. what happens so it's it's it would be quite unethically what is done is you know we still can do some of the knockouts uh, for the you know 
grown cells in, in the lab and, and so on uh, and streamline them a little bit but nowadays it's more a prediction of the variant function based on the all the available data we mm -hmm. have also on based on the nearby variants based on the you know we can measure if the gene actually is is used in in the cell and in which cells is it is is the gene like translated to protein uh, you know in the muscle cell or it's only in the brain cells you know we can we we can see which regions of the of the of the gene genome is actually activated when when some function of the cell is occurs so we can use all this information to basically to predict the 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 function of the variant here the machine learning algorithms i think are used you know quite substantially mm -hmm. now yeah yeah because uh, uh, the reason that i asked is mainly because, uh, as you might know, large language models have made an exceptional progress in the past few years. So I'm just like, uh, if you think of genome as a book uh, with four letters, why can't we have a large language model like uh, that is specific for genome? You know? Yes. Like it's just it's just so obvious. Yes, I know, and you know, actually, I you know, as I said, you know, it's a it's a kind of if we speak about genetics, it's also have its own, you know, broad, mm -hmm. you know, it's a broad field. There is association studies, you know, there are functional studies. Uh, there, there are many like sub subfields there, and all of them have interesting things to apply the mm -hmm. machine learning uh, algorithm and also lang language models. Yes. So now, before coming here, I looked up actually, mm -hmm. you know, if they are applied and actually they they are i use this example of you know uh, predicting the function of genetic variant is because actually it's where i found you know the the first hit when when i looked up was mm -hmm. uh, one of the papers which used uh, you know language uh, models to predict the function of the variant based on the sequence around around that, that variant mm -hmm. yeah uh but like uh, i'm thinking that uh, like i want an ai that gives me 10 million European genomes, you know? Like, can we, like, is this something which is possible or like, there's no point, we just actually need to sample like and sequence 10 million Europeans for that? Yes, okay. uh, it, it would be useful to have such, mm -hmm. you know, you know, AI algorithms to generate your, you know, artificial, most likely data. It would be useful for, you know, theoretical, mm -hmm. you know, evaluations, but when we speak speaking about you know about association studies we really want you know to have real data and there are many reasons mm -hmm. like our you know the variations in our genome are shaped in a very complex way by by the you know by the environment we live by history of our population mm -hmm. the variants for example which are very harmful for us they tend to be very rare mm -hmm. because you know if variant is very harmful so harmful that for example our body can't function and uh, and the individual can't even create a family and you know have uh, have children then probably that variant will not go to the next generation mm -hmm. and we will never you know observe it again mm -hmm. or if we observe it it will be only by chance of a random mutation and this you know you can find only you know in in real life you can't actually you know uh mm -hmm. you know simulate it somehow at yeah. least i don't know yet the ways uh, and again if we go to a complex data set environment is a combination of environment and our genes it's what matters and 
actually one of the main drawbacks of or like pitfalls of of current current GWAS is that they don't yet account enough for the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can measure, you know, blood pressure, we can measure all the, you know, uh, measurements from our body. We can measure uh, the the genetic information very quite precisely nowadays, and you know we can you know test for associations between genetics and all those me- measures coming from body. But all the complex disease like smoking status, drinking mm-hmm. status, you know how much you drink, you know how much sport do you do, how much do you sit, how much do you like uh, spend time like with your sitting down working with your computer or watching TV. You know, you yeah. know. For example, how much stress do you have? How you measure stress? Mm-hmm. You know, so current GWAS don't account. We can't measure this kind of things because they're quite hard to measure, mm-hmm. and and that's the like missing gap. And I think you know, the field actually is <laughs> will be going there to to, mm-hmm. to actually measure environment component, and our mobile devices are actually the way to do it. You know, we can measure quite a lot of behavior pat- patterns, and you know, by looking how how person uses his his or her mobile phone, mm-hmm. uh, and there are already appearing st- you know studies uh, in the just beginning of their you know, which actually develop special apps where you know participants of ca- such kind of study can install on the phone, and and they will track you know sleep patterns and so on. And then, uh, you know, eventually we'll be able to incorporate all this information together with genetics, together with all our body measurements and and properly, mm-hmm. you know, evaluate how much actually genes are responsible for that disease, how much environment is responsible. Yeah, you mentioned some gaps in GWAS. Maybe yeah. we can uh, keep talking about this. What would you say is um, the main argument against GWAS? Like, what are some of the problems with GWAS? Again, going back a little bit back to history. Now, mm-hmm. when the, the, the field just emerged, you know, everybody thought that, you know, now we will discover everything. Mm-hmm. And then what happened that uh, we didn't discover yeah. a lot of things. We discovered a few, but not a lot. And the problem was, uh, again, technology. You know, first, first GWSs were still, you know, limited. They were not assessing anymore like a few thousand of you know, positions in the genome, they were assessing like a few, you know, 500,000, a million of positions. Mm-hmm. Then they were assessing, uh, you know, tens of million, but still they were not covering entire genome. Mm-hmm. What we saw is that, uh, you know, the main limitation is actually the coverage was, you know, we couldn't assess those rare variants, you know, which are very infrequent where you need actually to to, to have many, many participants in your study. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this is a still limitation, but it is, you know, we are gradually overcoming it uh, with, like, large studies, like, in United uh, Kingdom, yes, with half mm-hmm. a million of people, but, you know, and eventually more and more and more, and eventually we'll be able to assess, you know, most of the, those, like, rare, rare variants, I believe, but, you know, there were still individual mutations, which, yeah. you know... Uh, specific to each of us yeah so like uh, how big is enough for GWAS like uh, like you said uh, as of now we have half a million yeah participants so we have you know half enough a million participants but it really again depends on the on the disease you study Mm -hmm. yes so now 
Imagine you study type 2 diabetes, complex trait, you know, it's environment and many genes involved. Now, say your feeling, gut feeling tells you that, okay, probably there is a very rare variant with a frequency in 1 in 10,000 persons. Mm -hmm. Now, how many people do you need to, you know, to actually claim that there is, you know, claim that this variant is more present in the people who has type 2 diabetes and those who don't, how many people do you need to recruit? So, okay, one in 10,000, you need at least one person, yes? <laughs> then, okay, for probably for statistical tests to be make sure, you need to probably, probably a few hundred, you know? Mm -hmm. So, okay, multiply 10,000 by uh, 100, so you have uh, how much? Uh, one million. And yeah. then imagine that none of, not all of those people who has this, you know, variant are actually have type 2 diabetes. It's mm -hmm. possible. Yes. So for example, prevalence of, you know, type 2 diabetes, like, uh, I don't remember, but it's like 20, 30% maybe. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I encourage listeners to check <laughs> all numbers I say, <laughs> just to make sure, but I believe it's around 20. But so, 20%, but there is no guarantee that, you know, person who will carry that allele, you know, will have type 2 diabetes. So it means that you need a sample, you know, have more participants to to have enough people who also carry that allele have, mm -hmm. and have type 2 diabetes and who carry that allele and don't have type 2 diabetes. So, and you already see by this simple example that we're talking about, like, probably millions of, uh, of participants in, in the study. Uh, yeah, for mm. for detect any you know, to 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 like claim that such kind of variant would have yeah something to do with type two diabetes. Yeah. Okay. So um, last question on G was, uh, what is the future direction of the field? Yeah, good good question. Which brings me again to the one of the uh, drawbacks of modern G was, mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't mention. It's you know in. In inclusion of diverse participants. Mm -hmm. Now, if we go back again to history, I hope I don't repeat this phrase <laughs> too often. No, but, no, it's okay. Yeah, but, you know, first geoses were actually, you know, dominated by participants from European ancestry. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to explain you why, because everybody of us will understand yeah. of, of, of why it happened. But... And, you know, there was a bias in, in the in the, in the geos that many of them were of European ancestry and then none of, you know, other et ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And what it leads to, it, it can lead potentially to to disparities in the in the health, you know, for example, uh, you know, the, the drugs would be developed only for Europeans and they would not work good enough for like other ancestries because, you know, because uh, of some specific, you know, genetics. Mm -hmm. Only now the field starts, you know, to turn against this approach and be more inclusive and, you know, support genetic studies in other non-European ethnicities. Uh, and that what will be dominating in the, in the next years is basically we will see more and more studies on people of diverse ancestry ethnic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You did your PhD in computer science, right? So let me ask you this. As a computer scientist, what do you think of DNA as a biological computer? Like, does it impress you in any way? Uh, it impresses me a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first of all, you know, let me put it this way. What impresses me is, you know, of course, how it, you know, it was shaped by, you know, uh, by, uh, you know, hundred thousands of years of evolution, how it was shaped to that mm -hmm. machine, biological yeah. machine we became, yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, 
but also the ability to you know self-adapt <clears throat> or self-correct itself if you think about that so each of us have uh, as i mentioned before you know starting from 3.5 million to like maybe four something million of of various mutations around our genome each of us carry none of those mutations are so dramatic mm-hmm. that it will would cause us like you know, severe, you know, yeah. health conditions. So it shows how tolerant actually our genes are. And now on top of that, I can tell you that each of us carries a few hundred of mutations mm-hmm. inside specific genes, which are potentially can, you know, can tracate gene or can alter somehow the gene sequence. Mm-hmm. And even those mutations which are located inside specific genes, which potentially can truncate our gene and they still mm-hmm. do do no harm to you know average person mm-hmm. so you know this is impressive and you know there is you know machinery in, in, in our cells can actually fix you know the self is alive it divides it grows you know it needs to replicate you know dna and during that replication a copying of dna you know it has a machinery which actually goes and fix errors. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, what most impressive from that yeah. machinery is for me. It's like, imagine as for computer scientists, you could have a, a program which could fix itself. Mm-hmm. That would be impressive. You would yeah. write it once and then <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so last question. What excites you about what you do? Multiple things. The, the fact that you know, I don't know anything about the field. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if 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 you if I say that I know something, then you know, then I can always find the another you know plenty of other things I don't know. Mm. And this is not only because you know I come to the field from different uh, you know different background, and I was never you know received kind of form or formal like yeah. educate four years education or like several years education on, on, on the on the genetics. But this comes to the fact that, you know, not you know, not nobody of us know mm-hmm. because, you know, we're still, you know, uh, researching it. And this is what excites me that, you know, that it's a challenges. So the challenge is that, you know, we don't know many things, how it works. Uh, the second thing, what excites me, the challenge is actually to analyze this data. It's not so straightforward, you know, you never get 100% perfect data from the sequencing machine. You never get 100% perfect data from your medical records. There will be missing data, you know, there will be errors. Mm-hmm. And you need to actually, you know, before you could even analyze this data for like for associations with disease you need to kind of clean it fix it you know try to like make sense of it Mm -hmm. and you need to develop a lot of tools to do that a lot of computational tools to do that so that's you know one aspect you know which uh, i'm doing you know every day and then the third aspect is uh, you know as as a assistant professor, there is a requirement, you know, to teach. Mm-hmm. But I see it not a, as a more requirement, but as a privilege. Yeah. And, you know, this actually, and, and, and when I think about this, makes total sense because, you know, the problems we are, we are, we are trying to solve, all, all our researchers around the world, you, you know, they, they definitely will not be solved in my, you know, in my lifetime or at least in my like active career time Mm -hmm. so there will be problems remain to be solved and 
and there is understanding coming out of this that the generation of the new researchers coming after you will solve it, mm. will continue solving. And to do that, you know, you want to pass as much of the experience as possible to them and all the tricks, all the hidden, you know, yeah. pitfalls. So they don't repeat this and don't spend like additional mm. year just redoing your, own mis- redoing your own mistake you did or something like that. So that makes, you know, uh, that encourages this kind of teaching activities and you know working with uh with students you know and motivates me a, a lot also this aspect that you know mm. the ability you know pass your knowledge to be able and know that the problems you're trying to solve will be solved you know by them yeah. eventually but yeah. uh doesn't it make you sad that you may not see the results of your work in your lifetime uh you know there is always a hope <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it would make me sad if I would know that there is no other researcher, a new researcher coming, mm-hmm, yeah. you know. But, yeah, you know, eventually, sense. you know, you believe that it will be solved, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. great. Uh, thank you so much for coming, uh, Dr. Talion. Uh, any last word? Thank you very much for inviting me to this uh, podcast. I hope everything went uh, all right. and It was perfect. And, you know, our listeners enjoyed it. And it was a very nice experience uh, for me personally. And yeah. Yeah, this is the, it it was the first time for both of us. So yeah. Uh, Thank you so much again. Uh, We're going to wrap it up here and uh, see you guys uh, next week.